on this week's episode of cultivating her space i think part of what inspired me is the fact that acting like it's not happening is not going to make the problems go away and i wanted women like me to feel seen and represented and i wanted them to know that they're not on their own Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Lady, today we have a very special guest that we are so excited about. And so we're just going to jump right on into this bio so we can jump into this juicy conversation, okay? Sadia Asmat is a British Asian comedian breaking boundaries with her insightful humor, thought-provoking commentary, and infectious charm. Sadia isn't just a comedian. She's a comedic force challenging the status quo. With her sharp wit and candid observations, Sadia creates a world of laughter that provokes thought and fosters understanding. You can check her out on her podcast, No Country for Young Women, which tackles love, life, and work from a multicultural perspective. She's also the author of Sex Bomb, where she navigates the nuances of British Asian life with candor and wit. And if you're watching us on Patreon, you can see that she just held up her beautiful book, Sex Bomb, okay? There is so much more. There we go. There we go. There's so (laughs) much more to Sadia. So we're going to pass the mic to her and let you hear from this force herself. Sadia, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Hi, thank you so much for having me. When I first got the email about this, I was like, this is such a dope podcast. I'm so lucky that they even, was this an accident? I didn't even know like that you reached out. I was like, <laughs> you've got such a huge following and listenership. So that's really cool. Well done. It's not, it's, it's, it's good work, but it's not, I, mean, I imagine it's not been, you know, easy all the time, but I'm really impressed because you're just smart women uh, doing very cool things. And yeah, I, I guess I, I'd like to say, hopefully in a similar way, I feel like the work that we do, uh, is important because what we we're authentic and we're trying to just be ourselves as opposed to I feel like sometimes you know what it is like you know the red or the blue pill and sometimes the world wants you to be a version of yourself that's more appeasing or more what's the word I'm trying to say that's more in line with their kind of whatever it is prejudices perceptions expectations ignorance all those things and so that's what I feel like I'm so lucky with comedy. Like I, I feel like comedy chose me rather than me choosing comedy. And I feel like it basically gives you the freedom in, especially in the world that we live in now, where I feel like so much more what we are allowed to say is being policed in, in every sense. 
it gives me a freedom to kind of play with ideas and and kind of some of those perceptions and I guess focus on like what makes us like the togetherness aspect of humans like and so much of what I do it's not maybe it's not deliberately trying to be humanizing but I feel like that's an important part of it because as a Muslim woman I wear a headscarf you know I feel like there's been a lot of dehumanization that has taken place and so by joking about some of the things I like to joke about relationships sex all of the above um, it, it allows people to be I guess in some sense a little less afraid of us not that we're here to be like trying to dismantle you know people's kind of own you know anyway I'm talking too too much but not that we're here to always do that work but like if it's a byproduct of what we're doing in our field then great it's not something that I expect all of you know women multicultural women always to have to carry but yeah I feel like it's just a nice thing to do in the fact that so many so much of media is focused on what makes us all different and I think if sometimes we can actually just show that actually we're all human and we do have so much in common it's a refreshing take on things. Yeah. Yes. beautiful. I love that. I, and Sadia, I love that you are starting us off with dropping so many them just in that quick blurb. I am so excited for this conversation. And I think that our quote of the day, which will jump us, dive us into this conversation, just... It just blends so well with the gems that you have already shared because these are your words. So as we were prepping for the interview, we were looking at your book. We were looking at your social media. And so our quote of the day, (laughs) both sexual liberation and faith are not measurable by sight or anyone other than the person who beholds it. And I'm going to say that one more time for the folks in the back. Both sexual liberation and faith are not measurable by sight or anyone other than the person who beholds it. Pray. These are your words, your words. Yes. Thank you. I yes. feel like it's just because there's a lot of expectations on women in general to demystify or or I don't know even justify our take on things and then part of having like yourselves a platform where we speak has I really learned you know to pick my battles and you know that I don't have to kind of talk on everything and that actually there's also a power in in what I don't say as well as the things as I say right and I think people people I would just be dishonest if I was like, you know, I don't like sex, you know, like, and it's just, it's like, I'm, I'm doing it from a comedic side of things. But then the people who don't maybe understand comedy so much, sometimes they want you to explain your act and we're not in the business of explaining our choices to strangers or, you know, it's up to interpretate, it's out, it's down to interpretation and they can get the joke or it can scratch their head. But we do the work and we do the art and then they can like, someone DM'd me on Instagram because I get all these wild DMs. Of, oh, my friend bought your book. I'd love to know what it's all about. And I'm like, why do you buy the book? Or why don't you go on Google? Like, why are you DMing me? And think, I think that's some of the 
like great social media is like fantastic I met my editor on there and it made my book happen in a in a space where you know people from minorities are you know oh my god publishing is not a very diverse space like from what I understand it's like four percent in the UK of diverse authors and they think that's a lot so there are good things but also the there are drawbacks and I think we need to kind of be mindful of of how much of ourselves we kind of just put out there and, and allow allow you we just need to keep something for ourselves so I, I didn't answer the dm I, I don't intend to like it makes sense to me that if you have a curiosity you go and look it up you know like I would love to be sitting here dming Matthew McConaughey but I'm sure his wife you know <laughs> probably has something else to say about that so yeah I mean I think we're all on a journey and our faith is in my faith is really really important and there's times where it's stronger and times where it could be stronger and, and it's very personal. And so you can't really sit down and explain every life choice that you make. I look back, I know that there's some things that I could have done differently, but yeah, they don't know me. So it's like, why am I going to start talking to some strangers for no reason, right? Hey lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real. And we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business, brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel, and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019, and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform, all while working full-time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you up-level your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon. And we highly, highly encourage you to join the Sister Frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. Wow, that is so powerful. I feel like a billion questions just popped into my head, but I want to, I'm going to try to stay organized mentally. So Sadia, just a quick backstory. So I grew up Christian, right? Very religious household. I grew up with a best friend who was Muslim and my parents were really strict, but her parents were like, extremely strict, like way stricter Um, than my parents, even that was my experience. And so when I think about what she was allowed to do and what I was allowed to do was very different. And I realized that growing up that there was this big 
this big gap, I guess you could say. When you mm. think about your journey, you know, you're, you are so courageous, right? Especially considering like what I've learned from my friend about what's, what's appropriate, right? And what's the, the status quo and the norm in, you know, in her, in her household. How did you become the Saudi that we see today? Like what happened for you to become this woman you are today? I, I would assume you didn't start off this way as open and honest about your experiences? I think that's such a, a profoundly deep question. So thank you. And I think that you're right. I definitely wasn't always kind of like talking about sex as freely. And I think comedy was basically, you know, I haven't been very lucky in love. And it was it was fortunate that comedy seemed to kind of at least it used to, it benefited my comedy, if nothing else. Like, so people would love to laugh at my love fails. Like they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these things are relatable and people like to kind of, people love that the source, right? They love that, that kind of the details. So it kind of, at least, I think that's what I love about comedy is that you can make something out of something bad, like the negative or something out of nothing. You At least it's not all for nothing. Because if people laugh, it, it feels like it wasn't at least all bad. And so, yeah, no, I hear you. I, I don't think that my upbringing was very strict, but I do think that what I'm doing is, is unfamiliar to a lot of people, including Muslims. And I think therefore they have to kind of use their own thought process and critical thinking and analysis. Like, what is this? I've had Muslim women, like I've tried to give the book to say, oh, that's haram. And I'm like, but you haven't even read it or anything like that. So, you know, it's not, it's a journey that like, I mean, if you have a sense of humor, you can kind of laugh about it because sex bomb is kind of like, we were haunted by terrorism and extremism for years. So it's almost like trying to be like, what about the women? You know, it was always about extremism and violence, but like, isn't sex a bomb in our community sometimes? And I think part of what inspired me is the fact that acting like it's not happening is not going to make the problems go away. And I wanted women like me to feel seen and represented and I wanted them to know that they're not on their own because sometimes if you have to hide like a relationship or something and something doesn't go well like it can be really lonely and it can continue like a, a bad pattern or even a vicious cycle so I'm not even trying to say that I'm a great role model but if anything like if people would give the book a chance then it would help them see that actually, you know, just learning from some of my mistakes. And I felt representation was so important because first of all, we've been represented so poorly, if at all, by the media. And then I think that we're very much perceived to be very one-dimensional, you know, like, and sometimes on a spectrum, either repressed is something that gets thrown a lot around about Muslim women, or uh, sometimes in a strange way fetishized, but actually we're like everybody else in in kind of a middle place on the spectrum in that we we have like feelings, and we'd like to have a relationship sometimes. And I think what's complicated is that because we've never been able to see, I think, I guess, similarly with the black community, where so long you weren't able to also see rounded characters on screen and in media that you'd have to kind of just watch white women's examples or figure things out for yourself. And so if you don't know, like Muslim women, as you just described, you know, if they do have quite a typical traditional conservative upbringing and then all of a sudden they're out of their normal, they're not living at home anymore and they want to kind of meet people or they get feelings, 
they have to figure it all out themselves and it's really hard. And so from that perspective, I'm hoping that the book will be of comfort to people. Although, you know, I think to others, it will be challenging. Thank you for for writing that book, right? And putting it out there because there are so many women who I know can relate to this. And, and so when you think about your family and your friends and just thinking about that society in general is uncomfortable talking about religion, really uncomfortable talking about sex, and you talk about the <laughs> intersection of both, right? How are your family responded to you put it, putting this book out there? So that's a good question. And well, my friends um, have, have really welcomed it. They said that it's a, the portrayal is very, very honest and they're proud of me, which is really good. I haven't personally told my family. I was, I was just hoping that they might find out. It's not because I am afraid of telling them, but I just, it's a very personal book. And I do talk about my family in there as well. So yeah, I haven't really like talked to them just because I think sometimes comedy and also creative stuff is, is difficult for them to understand. As Asian parents, they kind of really just want you to kind of make money or which is, this is not that industry, let me tell you. But no, they kind of a bit more, you know, do your simple job and kind of thrive. And this is way more of a hustle. So it's more protecting them from kind of feeling like they have to worry about something that they can't control or that is quite difficult to understand. But yeah, I think my friends have loved it and welcomed it. And yeah, it's it's, it's a milestone. I'm very fortunate. Okay. So, Sadi, I want to ask you a question and I am still a work in progress. So I hope this does not sound ignorant or silly, but you are definitely multicultural, right? We talked about this a bit in your intro. Can you talk a bit about where you're from and like your background, just to give people additional context if you're new to them. And then we have another question about your your identities and managing them. <laughs> That's a great question. Yes, yeah, so I'm British. I was born in the UK, but I'm also Indian. So my mom was also born in the UK, but my father's Indian. And so then he came to the UK, basically. And obviously I'm Muslim as well. And comedian probably is part of the multiculturalism somewhere. But yeah, those are the main things. I'm not a vegan, so you can like me. I'm a nice person. Oh my goodness. Hilarious. We, okay. Can you also tell folks what the significance of today is? You're, in, you're being interviewed on this podcast that is based in America. And you share something with us before we started that I think is super interesting. So you can tell folks about the significance of today or this trip that you're taking? Oh, oh my <laughs> yes. God, I'm so stupid. So I'm so glad I mentioned it at the beginning. So listen, guys, this is my first trip to America. And I talk about how how hugely inspired I've been by American comedians. Like you name them, they've struck a chord with me, whether it's Bill Hicks, Sam Kinison, Chappelle, Rock, Cat Williams. There's too many to mention, but... Because my book is coming out in America, 26th of September, I just thought, let me go. And it's my first ever trip. So I'm sitting here recording from New York. I've been here for a couple of weeks. I really, really love it. And I could tell you a funny story. I don't know if you'll stay in, but I was really worried about like getting through the customs, like the border patrol, because I heard a lot of stories about 
people were telling me that they sometimes were detained for a little bit or that they were like really, really scrutinized. And then one person told me, and he was white. He said, a white guy. They asked him what you're doing here. And then they asked him again, what are you doing here? And then they asked him a third time, what are you doing here? And then because he got a little bit frustrated, I don't know what he said a bit sarcastic the third time. Like, I just told you. That's what he said. And they put him on a flight back. So this is what the guy told me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if that's what they did to a white guy, what on earth is going to happen to me? But so after 12 hours of traveling, I come into New York airport. It's like, I would never have imagined. The guy basically was like, are you traveling on your own? Who are you traveling with? I was like, I'm on my own, unfortunately. And then he was just like, oh, how long are you staying for? I was like, a couple of months. And then he was like, oh, you're here for some dick. I was like, he didn't quite word it like that. But I was, he basically, we had this New York moment where we just start laughing with one another because clearly he sensed my desperation. And I was not going to argue with the guy because from what I'd heard before, they don't really like arguing um, or t- chat back, as, as I like to call it. So I was just like, yes, sir, I want dick, sir. And then he was like, welcome to America. And I got in and I was so like, relieved because it was so smooth. And it was through like maybe not even two minutes. And so it felt like it was nice to feel like I was kind of allowed in and accepted, if that's the word. I don't know. But it's a huge significance to be on your podcast today because you're American and you're lovely. And the work we're doing, I feel like there's a big overlap in terms of the people that we try to reach and communities. And I guess there's a kind of an education piece around it in a subtle way. So yeah, I love it. I haven't had too many bad food, but if you want to recommend anything, I'm open to it. I'm trying to diet. Oh, I was going to say, okay, the di- I, I may not have a good recommendation based on the diet, but New York pizza, I feel like it's classic. Like you I heard it's pizza. because of the hard water. Is that true? <laughs> I've never heard that before. People are saying, I said, why? Why Why is the pizza so good? They said, because of the waters. And I was like, is that what they say? I but maybe no they're lying. I've heard everybody said that. So that's a great shout, Terry. I'm going to yes. try it. I was going to say, if you are traveling 12 hours for a dick appointment, that is, I hope that is one hell of a dick appointment. I just want to say, based on what you should say, be I was 12 like, hours long, huh? It okay. better be 12 Basically, at least, be at least a month. <laughs> now, Speaking of dick appointments, we want to shift up the energy of this episode a little bit. And because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we here, we believe it's okay to be bougie, classy, and ratchet. We believe that you can dance to strip club music and still be classy. So, Sadia, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. Do you take on the challenge? Of course. Yes, please. Yes. Yes. Okay. We got her. So what we're going to do, Sadia, is we're going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And then we have three photos pulled up of you from social media. And we're going to share one of those photos. And we want you to share with us some context about the photo that we wouldn't know just by looking at it. All right. Okay. I got okay. I, we, we Let's do this. Let's do it. We're going to ease into it. So the first question for you is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Oh my God. It's a real good question. I don't want to go on a cliche because normally I say one exec producer, he told me, be you. But I feel like that's a bit like commonplace in the industry. So I want to come up with something a little bit less. Yeah, something that's done the rounds a little bit less. I think it will just be something along those lines of like believing in yourself. And like, I guess, you know what? 
I don't think we accept losses very well. And I think it's because it was something that we were never taught in school. We we're always taught to win. So I think something about, yeah, just taking an L and, you know, moving on and kind of something good will come from the L. Not that I'm trying to like promote failure for ethnic people because please don't take me the wrong way. But it's just that it's a fact of life. And I think that sometimes, you know, we can learn from it and grow from it. And even there can be some good from the bad. Love that. I, I love that. There's always something that can good that can come from the bad. Okay. Now, that was wholesome. That was on our classy side. Now we're going to get into our ratchet side. Maybe. Maybe. Ooh, it depends on your answer. Maybe you might be classy. We'll see. It's unlikely. <laughs> okay. So our next question is, will you twerk or two-step? Would you say twerk? Twerk or two-step? Okay, Which one okay. will you choose? If- if I'm honest with you, I'm going to be real honest, yeah. My friends have not taught me no two-step. I'm not a great dancer. I have to be the twerk, ladies. Okay. We are here for it. Yay. I've yes. been doing my hip thrust at the gym. I'm trying to get that ass, you know. I'm trying. Okay. okay. We are here for it. You're doing in the gym to get that ass must be working. You can't hear me now. <laughs> okay, I think the ass must have messed up the technology because my camera went off, the mic went off. So you're doing a good job, Sadie. Keep it up in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, girl. The next question for you is, what's the sexiest item you own? Oh my God. Okay, I did have these like pair of fluffy shoes. I had two. I had one in red and I had one in like a soft pink. And you know when it's just too, it's just you can't wear it out. And they haven't had a lot of action, guys. I really need, I mean, I did also have, I don't know how I lost this, but I I, I did have a crotchless kind of a one piece. I had a crotchless, yeah, I had a crotchless, what do you call it? Undergarment, you could call it. Sorry, that's not a sexist term. It was black. It was like lacy and it was like a bodysuit. So crotchless bodysuit, basically. I don't know how I lost that, guys. It just, I bought it and I didn't know. But I think, yeah, sexy lingerie is, is good. I wouldn't really call earrings or anything like that sexy, but I think sometimes they can make you feel sexy and kind of help bring things up a gear. Good answer. Yes. Okay. Okay, we speak black lace <laughs> and crapless. Okay. So now we're going to move to the sentence completion. Our first sentence completion is, one question or topic I wished people asked me about more often is... Ooh, that's a great question. My breath? Well... Funny enough, you won't believe this, but the next (laughs) sentence completion is what I want to tell people about my breast is (laughs) my breasts are lovely. I don't know if it's stupid, but yeah, my breasts are amazing. They are very, very nice breasts. Amen. I'm going to go to your Instagram now. We're going to take a look at these breasts. Hey, come on, girl. I love that. You know, I feel like us I, as women, uh, we should, yeah, we should feel ourselves. Like, it's okay to think, oh, I've got a nice ass or I got some nice breasts. I love that. <laughs> yes. I definitely yes. get asked about them a lot. You know what I mean? Like, people are not like, oh, those are some nice breasts. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one ever. Terry, no, no one. one. No. All right. 
we need people to say that more to you, Sadia. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess this takes us to our last question, which I don't the know. The last sentence it. completion. You know, I know the and answer to this. I think we will. I, I, I think we will. So the last sentence completion is what I love most about myself is. My titties. My titties. I love it. <laughs> yes. Come on, titties. <laughs> okay, Sadia. So we want you to choose a number out of one and three. And once you choose that number, we're going to reveal that particular photo on the big screen. And we'll have you give us some context about the photo that we don't know just by looking at it. So what is your number? Let's go for three. Let's go for three. All right, all right. Okay, so Sadia, we're gonna pull up the pull up the picture here, and if you could describe the photo to the folks who are only tuning in, because some folks sure. will not be watching, and then give us some context. All right, do you see the big picture? Oh, yeah, that's pretty. Okay, cool. So I'm wearing, there I am. I'm at the audio awards ceremony from a few years ago. I'm wearing a very, very nice teal head, sorry, head wrap that's tied up. And I'm posing, it's a selfie with Trevor Nelson, who's like this amazing, iconic DJ, kind of radio personality, host, TV personality, like, Basically British, British legend. And I've got some sexy Swarovski earrings on. My makeup's been done so, so professionally, not by me. And yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm living my best life in that picture. We're very happy. I got a lot of um, compliments from all people, like women, men, mostly women at that event. And it's nice when women like appreciate each other. So I feel like that kind of looked really good on me but it was very glittery and like it just kind of all the glitter just was everywhere it looks so beautiful we love it such a good photo that you chose <laughs> thank you for playing along with us Adia. this was a fun segment we're going to dive back into some of these other questions that we have for you sure yes so, so you describe yourself as a comedian who loves sex and a hijab wearing muslim woman how do you navigate the complexities of these identities and reconcile them in your life? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like you you, you were correct and you said you're a work in progress and I feel like so am I. And I feel like I've gotten quite comfortable in my own skin and that's what, that's what, to answer your question, that's what it's all about. Like I think when I was younger, it was about how to get the D. It was about, you know, external things. I feel like for so many people like me, that self-care and self-love piece wasn't always as strong as it could have been. And it's so, so important. And I remember thinking as a youngster, what a weird concept that it could be, like loving yourself. Like, of course, I love myself, but there's it's layers to it. And I think that's the way I nav- navigate it is in like, try to be nice to yourself. You know, sometimes you're bad, you're bad, like your wild side you could say makes you want to do something and like as you get older and wiser I think to myself you know why am I doing that I can take a step back I can slow down a little bit and you know sometimes you know you don't need to be on self-destruct all the time and so and that's the same to be said for uh, decisions where you know you might want a piece of action but is that guy really worth it is he checking for you like you know, I just don't be putting it out like that. So sometimes I can be frustrated, as I said before, but like it can be funny with comedy and like, it's definitely better to, I mean, I've had so many guys like reject me, which is 
kind of a blessing in disguise because you're looking back at that, like, you know, it takes us time sometimes as women to kind of get over those L's, as I said earlier, or to kind of just move on. And so they just saved me the trouble of moving on from them, you know. So I feel like I'm definitely my experience as a female, as a Muslim, is very different to a lot of conventional women because conventional women, they get off a dick every day, all the time, dick, 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 dick. And nobody is offering me any type of dick. So I'm like, I'm like real selective as well. And I think it's real, it's a funny narrative to have that I'm a woman who can't get dick. And so I've utilized that in my whole message and things rather than feeling sorry for myself crying on the sofa. Not that that doesn't happen now and again, but it's, it's hilarious because, you know, it's just, it's just silly because I think any woman can get dick if she really tried, but like to, to, to be so bad at it or to be so unsuccessful is I, f- I find a, I find a funny side of it. All right. I want to share something personal and don't judge me. I don't know if it's because of my last birthday or because of how my hormones are set up after pregnancy, but I sweat so much more than I used to. And having a quality deodorant is extremely important to me. I can't be walking around in these streets funky. Let me give you the inside scoop. Dom has been using Lumi for some time. And when they reached out to us to be a sponsor on the podcast, I wanted to try it out for myself as well because Dom loves it. So I wanted to see if I would love it. And guess what? I am obsessed. Lumi was created by an OBGYN who developed a uniquely formulated pH balanced deodorant. It's aluminum free, skin safe, and clinically proven to control odor for up to 72 hours. Oh, And did we mention that it's also clinically proven to control odor better than a shower with soap alone? 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of 6 out of 10. Oof! With Lumi, the average odor level is a 0 out of 10. I personally love the toasted coconut deodorant. I use that on my underarms and it leaves me smelling so fresh. Lumi Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like the mini body wash and the deodorant wipes. And it comes with free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi Starter Pack with code HERSPACE at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code HERSPACE. I can appreciate that, right? I can appreciate finding the comedy in you know, what could <laughs> be perceived as a tragic or dramatic or sad situation, right? Yeah, there's and a fine so, line. There, it really is. And you are finding the good in those L, right? And so when you think about your experiences in terms of being able to get dick from wherever, right? And But having to be very discerning, as I think all of us should be, you talk about your experiences with dating white and Asian men and saying that those experiences have been unique. So can we, can you share a couple of, insight or gems that you have learned that you've picked up from those experiences? Yeah, I mean, the main one that stands out is is that, you know, it, it sounds a bit simple, but it's like, you don't have to try too hard as a woman. Definitely 
don't be desperate. And it's hard because I've been there and emotions are real and they can get really like, you know, fiery. And, you know, sometimes you can't sleep because you like this guy so much. But that's what I really learned is that, you know, less is more. And if a guy is really worth it or into you, you, you can give some feelers out, but he'll come to you. And from the mistakes I made was trying to put everything on a table. And not only does it scare them because they're so fragile, their egos are so fragile, they're so insecure and their dicks are so small. Not only does it scare them, but it's like, it's not going to get you what you want anyway. And then at the end of the day, you, you still got to go l- learn to love yourself. And you, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to do things that make you feel bad because you still have to undo all of that. Like you're left carrying the kind of choices that you make and the, the way you treat yourself and others. Like we still have to grow from that and move on from it as well. And so, and I don't drink as well. So I don't even have the excuse of alcohol or drugs. You know what I mean? Like I do everything I do is in a cold light of day, right? So I, you can't blame nothing on like Red Bull energy drink. I don't even drink them. So I really, I realized that, you know, you can't be trying so hard. Like if a guy is constantly being a dickhead and maybe he just is a dickhead and why are you going to be rolling with a dickhead? Like I had a guy who was like, oh, I'll meet you. He was two hours late. What am I, what? And there was no real reason. And so it's like, you know, before I might have been like, oh, that's nothing. Now I'm like two hours. No, that's not going to happen. Okay. You just preached a whole sermon. I felt the need to also say this though, Sadia. So for listeners, as you listen, lady, and you hear Sadia say something funny, just know that Dom and I are muted and we're cracking up on mute because Uh we don't want to interrupt the audio. So she can see us laughing, but we're over here. We're over here geeking. So just let let y'all know. (laughs) Okay. So our next question for you, Sadia, you mentioned feeling distance from your culture at times. How Mm -hmm. do you balance your cultural heritage with your own personal values and beliefs as you continue to evolve as a woman? That's a great question and, and um, observation. And you know what? I think at, when I was younger, I was afraid. And I think part of that was for my family because I think there was a pressure that if I was too traditional, that I would have to follow the traditional route of like having an arranged marriage or settling down. And because I was, I felt like more, I felt like I identified with strongly with a lot of the British values that that, that felt scary to me because it, it wasn't, like, I'm going to just marry a stranger I've never met. And at the same time, I felt like my British side m- meant that I had to kind of almost choose and I couldn't explore my Indian side as freely as I would have wanted to. People appreciated the exterior of my culture, but didn't want me to be too internally cultured because that would mean that I'm not British enough. So I guess how I've reconciled all of that is a, I can't make up for lost time. You know, I made those choices and I live with them. But B, that fear is, you know, didn't didn't really help in those scenarios so that I can be as Asian as I want, as British as I want. And I don't have to kind of justify that to anybody. And that, you know, my, my faith has helped me a lot because that's one thing that I've never really had to feel like I've had to kind of change for anybody else's, due to anybody else's pressure. And that kind of helps keep me very grounded. So that that's really important to me and special. But yeah, I think we're all we all go through different things in life. Sometimes things will, you know. Well, I guess what I would say to a younger version of me or listeners who this is relating to at the moment is to not be afraid of exploring your roots. And even if that means that you're not 
understood or that it might make you feel a little unpopular with certain crowds. It doesn't matter if they don't get it. Like try to be true to yourself and, you know, why are you afraid? Like, what is there to be afraid of? Like, you know, you don't have to go and live somewhere you don't want to, but you don't also have to rule out understanding as part of your heritage and where you came from. And even though that doesn't look like it's in your current surroundings, it doesn't take away the fact that that is a part of your, you know, your identity and who you are. Yeah, that is so important for folks to understand that exploring who you are, all facets of your identity, can really shape your longevity as a human existing on this earth, right? And But also recognizing with that, there comes criticism, there comes backlash. There's always going to be haters and naysayers and people, people always going to have an opinion, right? Mm. How have you handled the criticism or any backlash that you've experienced from being who you are and being outspoken and unapologetic? in who you are? I feel like my my uh, kind of reward for all of that is that I get to sleep at night very well. Like, I don't have to try and be, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to, I'm not trying to please somebody and fake it or, you know, I'm not pandering to somebody who, because ultimately we can't please anybody or everybody. So you might try, start pleasing one person and then they tell you to jump higher. And so that's just going to cause a lot of stress and upset. And I think it detracts from what we're talking about, which is reconciling yourself with who you are and your purpose and your position and your identity and all of those things come from within. So, you know, sometimes people try and vocalize it. And sometimes I think it's harder when they don't vocalize their their kind of problems, because I think when they do articulate that they've got an issue, you then at least you know who the enemy is or enemy might be too strong a word but you then you can at least identify who the detractors are and then you can kind of move accordingly but when they when they move silently it's tricky right because there's a hater that you can't even smell so it doesn't matter I mean I feel like it's just people because of what I'm doing and because it's like because of the way that because of the context in which Muslim women have already been kind of treated and represented, and then because of what I'm doing, some people are going to be here for it and some people are not going to be here for it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's, it's like black and white, because sometimes the people who are here for it, it don't even fully understand it or might be here for it for the wrong reasons, because they think you validate the the impression of somebody that they want you to be anyway. So it's very complicated. I feel like I'm not a fan of positive discrimination or negative discrimination. They're both discrimination. I feel like, you know, positive discrimination sounds pretty, but it's still ugly. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just here trying to do what I can do, like to the best of my ability. And hopefully people will understand it. They might not always, I've been called thought provoking, which is fine. But like as a comedian, you just really want to be someone who makes people laugh. And I think I don't really let it get to me. So my tips are I don't really engage with like social media comments. So when people try and tell me that I'm going to hell or something like that, I don't really want to like engage with it. Or when people don't get you on a very surface level, as we said before, like I'm not here really to explain myself. Like 
I'm learning all the time. And I think there's a lot of strength in being open to that and being a student. And certainly self-improvement is something that needs to come from within, not because there's a bandwagon to jump on and that, you know, or that there's something to be gained from it. It should be more truthful and authentic, I think. That was so incredibly powerful. And I hate to say it, but it was thought-provoking. Just saying it. And you made, but you made us laugh too. You made us laugh too. But you too. like my titties, right? No, JK. And we like you made us laugh and we like your titties. Ah. <laughs> I will say, so each of us, right, we've all had to travel solo at some point in our journey, right? And whether it's because we've had to let people go, because they just couldn't handle the journey or they didn't see the vision, or we've had to shift perspectives that no longer served us. And sometimes that journey can be lonely. It can be uncomfortable. And you already listed some of the benefits of walking alone, but what do you actually do when you're walking alone? Like I think about those moments when, you know, people just don't agree with you. And you mentioned that your faith is really important. You mentioned like not engaging or explaining yourself to people, but what else do you do? Like I think about people talk about, oh, don't worry about the other people. Don't worry about the haters. But like when you're really, you're like on the journey, like you're by yourself, what is happening? Like, what does it look like in action to be by yourself on the journey? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that I love that you're throwing to that kind of being secluded to some extent or or just being by yourself because that's okay. And sometimes we don't always emphasize that there's a strength in, in yourself basically, or being by yourself a little bit solitary. Being solitary is the word I was looking for. So there's a strength and power in being solitary. Today, I was by myself walking in the rain because New York wanted to rain. But I think it's about having an umbrella. I'm joking. I'm not trying to get silly. I think I think to answer the question, it will be, you know, sometimes the things that we don't want to do are the things that are good for us. Like I like exercising. That can help. That, that speaks to the self-improvement. And I think... I think it's, you do have to do some kind of reflection as to, you know, your purpose, your direction and, and your circle. As you said, that there are some people that are on different journey to you. And I don't know, let me just be honest. Like, you know, I had, I I had a period of time where there's a lot of creatives in my circle who are very, who are white, who were very important to me. And then all of a sudden, like something shifted and it felt like, I don't think that we were on the same wavelength anymore. And so then they weren't really part of my circle. So I think it's about accepting that it's okay to kind of grow and that growth, it doesn't have to be terminal. Like, you know, they could always come back, you know, if they wanted to or, or not. But I think it's about kind of being higher and being your higher, your higher self. That's really important because I think in comedy, we're often joking on a kind of a lower moral kind of, you know, ground, if you like. Just honoring yourself and having a good kind of relationship with yourself. And and that involves, like I said, doing the things that sometimes feel like you don't really always want to do, like eating right. Journaling can be really helpful. You know, doing doing the work that you need to do that we're sometimes putting off. So sticking to deadlines, whatever good looks like for you, like, that could be yoga for some people, or it could be socializing because you're not kind of, because you've maybe had too much time by yourself. And so sometimes it's like that sweet spot between being in and out of your comfort zone. You know, we're often told in creative industry that, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone. And so that's great. But then also, you know, being kind to yourself and rewarding yourself, I think, in a way that kind of like makes it not so hardcore. I love that. 
Thank you so much for answering that question and shedding some light on what, what it really looked like when you do have to go it alone, right? And so one thing, because I know we're getting close to our time, and this has been such an amazing interview, and you have shared so many gems with our audience. I'm curious, in terms of cultivating joy in your life, you know, people automatically assume that if you're a comedian or you're a creative, that you naturally just, be, by being a comedian, there's joy, right? But that might not be the case. So what do you do to cultivate joy in your life? I think a lot, I was really lucky post writing the book, like, you know, it was an opportunity to look at the things from a lens that I wasn't looking at at the time that I went through experiences, et cetera. And, you know, practicing gratitude, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with, has has really helped me because, I mean, it was a cliche growing up, you know, you'd always get told that, you know, it could be a lot worse. Like my family would be like, you, you could have had nothing like us or, you know, these things. But I think when you're thankful it kind of just, it, it's not, there's no room for anger or fear. And that's where anger and fear is where like the darkness can kind of like stem from or, or breed. So, and it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely point to jump back off the previous question, which is like, I guess it's not feeling sorry for yourself, which is really hard to do sometimes because, you know, we can be emotional or it can especially if like it's in the air like I know that sounds weird but sometimes it's just your environment it could be the damp weather or whatever and I think it's about picking yourself up when nobody else is going to pick yourself up because I remember one guy said to me don't ever put yourself so down that you can't get up because sometimes you want help but that help might not be around we can't take for granted that there'll be other assistants like you know especially the, the journey that creatives are on which is very very kind of all over the place if you like so I think it's about being positive, you know, doing your best and then like encouraging yourself. But definitely if you feel like negativity is creeping in, like doing something like acupuncture or at least like trying to break that cycle, moving, going for a walk or doing something so that you're not kind of falling into like depressive states or habits because, you know, on a one-off, it might be fleeting but what we don't want is a pattern to kind of keep building and be being kind of too big for us to kind of then deal with and break down and so joy yes joy totally agree that you know a lot of there's a fine line between light and dark humor and sadness and because we're always like evaluating things it can it can feel heavy and so I think when you're in that industry it can be hard to appreciate the things that you really enjoy because that's work for you. So I love stand-up comedy, but I can't enjoy it the way I used to because I'm studying when I'm doing it. So I think it's trying to find either alternatives like maybe music or or even kind of like switching off so that I can enjoy it, finding a way where it's not like work. Like I'm sure with you, like as a, as a doctor as well, you know, whether it's something you're reading, you might just want to read for pleasure as opposed to kind of just for you know, research or, or kind of educational purpose, equally with podcasts, because you're a podcaster, you don't want to be studying it. You want to be, you, you want to just enjoy what you're listening to. And so I guess I hate to use the word mindful because it's like such a bore, but yeah, just trying to be kind of reflective on the way that you're 
feeling at the time. And yeah, trying your best to be forgiving as well can definitely be helpful for joy, even though that's also really hard. But I think it's just learning to let things go. And I think that's, again, something I wish I had been taught younger or at school, that the power of letting go of the things that are hard to let go or the things that matter to us or that are kind of like lingering and finding a way to kind of move on. Sorry, this was so amazing. (laughs) You dropped so many gems. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing in the world. Thank you for your book. Thank you for having these conversations and just honestly being who you are because you just being you is already making an impact. So we would love for you to let our, our listeners know where they can find you, how they can support, what next steps do you want to share with them? Is there anything else you want to share with us while we're here in this conversation? <laughs> the mic is yours. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So I'm on Instagram at Sadia underscore Asmat. So that's with an S at the end. So I'd love you to follow me on there. Please also subscribe to Cult. Cult- Please also subscribe to Cultivating Her on all of your podcasts because these girls are real. They're bringing the gems and they're, they're really meaningful and they're doing something in a very authentic, genuine way, which I feel is a blessing for everybody who comes across it. And on my website, I have a free guide, which you can download, which would then you can join my mailing list, which is called 10 Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Hijab, but Were Too Afraid to Ask. I would love you to also buy my book. It's called Sex Bomb. It's my memoir. It's very honest. It's had a lot of kind of nice feedback. And I think you'll love it. It's a perspective that you don't hear a lot from a Muslim woman being quite revealing and kind of, yeah, all of the things we've discussed today, being quite reflective, being quite open about my lessons in life and things that you can do kind of to to avoid making mistakes. And The other thing is I'm still very single. So if there's any hot guys listening, we talked about the 12 hour dick appointment. Man, come on now. Come I'm in New York right now, but I can travel to you for that 12 hour, you know, like, so please like come and these are some hot girls. They probably already have men. So stop looking for Dr. Dom and Terry. These fine women are already spoken for. So I'm single guys. (laughs) <laughs> Shoot your shot. I love it, Sadia. Shoot your shot, Sadia. We're going to add the links for your book, your website, all that good stuff in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, girls. Thank you. It's been amazing catching up. This is a lovely interview. Thank you. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note, that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, 
or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am worthy of a happy life.